broadcasting live from the Graven Cairns on the plane of Lorwyn? Lorwyn. Yeah. Is, it's, is Shadowmoor or? So Shadowmoor is like what Lorwyn, Lorwyn turns, turns into, into every time someone casts Scape Shift. Right. Okay. Well, then from but Lorwyn the, came first, I think, so. Yeah. I, I don't know if the proper name is Lorwyn or Shadowmoor. Anyway, I'm sure it's all the com 400 comments now being yeah. like, well, actually. Exactly. Anyway, these Graven Cairns seem to be on the plane of Dominaria considering they refer reference Care Sangir. Right. Weird. Maybe they're never put that together. Hmm. Anywho. If you'll recall last week, I called myself out for not knowing anything about lore. <laughs> Here we are. There's, yeah. Anyway, uh, broadcasting there, There's also live. the Zendikar. Oh, or Zendikar. That's oh, the uh -oh. real Graven Cairns. Uh-oh. That's going to be my least now. favorite one. I don't know. Uh, yeah, can I... you just burn a Hedron? Does that even work? I mean, we can try. Right. Ask Tuk-Tuk, uh, ask I guess. <laughs> Um, I don't want to have a conversation with Tuck Tuck right now. Yeah, he seems ornery. Anyway, this What's is this Tap Podcast Tap Concede. Called? Good. <laughs> uh, I'm Cameron. And I'm Nelson. And we're uh, going to be talking to you today about um, the challenges we set for ourselves when we're playing Magic the Gathering. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about my Highlander deck as a way of kind of like getting a grapple on that conversation, I think. Um, so, but before we get into it, this podcast... Podcast podcast is brought to you by the kind people over at Car Kingdom, carkingdom.com slash LRR. If you put in that affiliate code, it will let you know that we sent you and uh, they will hopefully continue to endorse our uh, head noises that we make into microphones. And also by Sin Prodder, Sin Prodder, putting the prod back in broadcast. Ooh, I like that. Uh, also, if you decide to order anything from Card Kingdom, such as singles, or if you live in the United States, sealed product, uh, and you put in the additional comment field, loading ready run sent me button, please, they will send you a little one inch button, which actually, I don't know what it says right now. But we recently go... it's featured double block and pray. I love double block oh, and that's pray. That's a great one, yeah. Um, I did that recently and then lost. Yeah, yeah, I got somebody with it last night. Nice. It was it, it always feels good when somebody double blocks and prays and you're just like, uh, Colossus? Yeah, Colossus. <laughs> Sometimes you look back in your games and you're like, if I played any way differently, would I have not died mm -hmm. to that Colossus? And you're like, no. Yeah. Or like the fairy. Mm, the duelist. Yeah, fairy duelist. Colossus mocks you less. It just kills you. Fairy is like, hey, you fell yeah. for it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I got you. <laughs> anywho, uh, this podcast is also brought to you by you, the viewer. You did it. Patreon.com slash loading ready run. We saw what you did. Your very generous support of us. Uh, uh, directly makes this podcast possible, so way to go. I guess. Pays for our utilities and our beautiful new set and also our 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 money. Look, without you we couldn't keep the lights on, alright? Yeah. Think about so it. You're responsible. Uh shall we crack a pack, Nelson? Let's crack a pack, please. Generate me a random number. I'm trying to be as Vanna White as possible with this dice. Ooh. Channeling my inner Vanna. 19. 19. Count One, all two, of the packs. Three, four, five. I mean, we should just have 20 in here. There's so. exactly 20 in there, actually. Well, then. Yeah, I cheated for you. Wow. Ooh, my favorite set. Oath of the Gatewatch. Do you want to open it? Or uh, yeah, I, I would love to open it. This one was sent to us by Cassie13, uh, presumably through mail time, but it has a very lovely little label with a butterfly. That's adorable, Cassie. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Much appreciated. Uh, so... This is also a Chandra pack. What what are we looking for in here? Just Essence Depleter every time. Essence Depleter? That was the blue-black Eldrazi, or was that the red-black? I'm always trying to remember correctly. Hopefully, the one I'm always looking for is just 
one black and two generic for a two three Eldrazi creature that has like one and a colorless, like a generic mm -hmm. and a colorless, to make your opponent lose a life and you gain a life. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. maybe that's Essence Depleter. Mm, that's also a good one. Same mana cost as this. There we go. Kozilek Shrieker. For two and a black, you get an Eldrazi drone creature. It's a 3-2. Uh, it has Devoid, as all the Eldrazi did in this set, which was a weird mechanic. Yeah, Devoid mostly just... Like the way I remember it is that it resulted in a lot of rules calls of like people yeah. being told to like find a colorless thing or find a creature of a certain color and then they found one of these or a spell of a certain color and then they're like two turns pass and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I cheated. Yeah, and yeah like, we actually judge. Yeah, sorry. can we roll it back? Yeah. Um, and then it, you look and you just feel bad for everyone, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And this one also has uh, uh, ghost fire breathing, right. I guess. Kozilek Shrieker uh, for one colorless mana, specifically colorless mm -hmm. mana. Kozilek Shrieker gets plus one plus zero oh, and gains menace until end of turn. Yeah, pretty strong card. These three, they've given us a lot of three two menace for threes, and even in Rivals of Ixalan, that two one menace for two was pretty pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, uh, they they get work done. Mm -hmm. uh, next up, we have Isolation Zone. Oops, two and two white for an enchantment. This is the O Ring analog for this set. When Isolation Zone enters the battlefield, exile target creature or enchantment and opponent controls until Isolation Zone leaves the battlefield. Really good. Sh yep, really good card. O-ring. They don't give us O-rings too much anymore. They always, almost always make them uncommon now. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, especially for that one being uncommon. Eldrazi yeah. Aggressor. Two and a red, you get a 2-3 a, a Eldrazi Drone with Devoid, and Eldrazi Aggressor has haste as long as you control another colorless creature. It always, I, I guess, I, I remember smashing for th on turn three with this. Yeah, there was a black-red aggressive Eldrazi deck, or you could mm -hmm. build it Jund or green-red, and yeah, sometimes this guy would play in those. Yeah, it's obviously not super or not very exciting as a top deck, but if you put that deck together, mm -hmm. you could you could get work done as you're as you're saying. Uh, we have Kozilex Translator, four and a black for a three five Eldrazi drone with Devoid. Pay one life. Add colorless mana to your mana pool. Activate this ability only once each turn. Uh, I love the artwork in this. Yeah, I'm just lost in the art right now. <laughs> yeah, leaving behind that trail of the. Uh, Kozilek Bismuth Crystal. Right. Kind of... Uh, uh, sort of reshaping the pattern of Zendikar. Yeah, exactly. As they slither across it. Yeah, like Ulamog's Brood left ash or just dust in their wake. Right. And Kozilek's Brood uh, kind of reassemble everything into just this, like... Um, or th They have two very different ways of homogenizing a plane. Right. Right. Um, As I, represented on the basic art for wastes, right? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, this pretty cool. Uh, I, this card was definitely a playable. Yeah, like, this I mean, is a pretty it's, it's cool a ability card. for. Yeah. A, it's a pretty cool ability to put on a honk. Like a five mana three five is usually like a playable mm -hmm. uh, option for limited. But this ability is like strong. Right. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, uh, the ability to just make colorless mana as yeah. you need it for get it, for life. Turning life into mana that's not something we usually get to do in Magic. Like mm -hmm. uh, the fact that you only do it once per turn makes it pretty fair and balanced. Right. <coughs> Sorry. But uh, yeah, a deceptively yeah. useful ability. Yeah, no, this guy, this guy played quite a bit. Alpha Protector, mm. two and a white for a uh, one for human soldier ally with vigilance. Um, there was like the black white allies deck uh, frequently wanted to tap a second ally to do things. That's and right. So a good co cohort enabler here. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Vigilance is a shockingly useful ability. 
especially yeah. when you're being asked to tap later for mm -hmm. something. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you can still chip done. in for a little bit and then activate cohort. Yeah. You wanted to play exactly zero of these for every copy of <laughs> well, for every copy of the three mana one four flying vampire that oh, just right. drained when they were tapped because they were often in the same deck. So Alpha Protector was like the clear downgrade mm -hmm. to that guy, but still kind of close. Same same stats for mana and the right. ability to get some more damage in. You know. Cinder Hellion, four and a red, gives you a 4-4 with Trample, and an ability that reads, when Cinder Hellion enters the battlefield, it deals two damage to target opponent. That was a reasonable curve topper in those red-green decks or black-red decks. Mm -hmm. I don't think any deck was... A, strangely, like, this card looks really fine, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't know if there was a single deck in the format, like a single archetype from Othigate Watch Limited, that really wanted to play it. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, like... Low you, pick, yeah. Yeah, at five, I think you're dealing with a lot of five toughness in this format as well. Right. Sweep away. Two and a blue uh, for an instant that reads, return target creature to its owner's hand. If that creature is attacking, you may put it on top of its owner's library instead. Yeah, totally reasonable on summon effect with another piece of great art. Mm -hmm. Thanks, yeah. Winona Nelson. Yeah, 100% uh, adequate. It also, I remember this being uh, a reasonable surge enabler. Yes, yeah, it's a good surge on your opponent's turn enabler for sure. Canopy Gorger. There's a five toughness creature right there. Yep. Four and two, two green for a worm. That's it. There were a lot of cards with words on them in this set, so you almost never played this guy because mm -hmm. the ones with words on them are better. I got that from, uh, it's, a, it's a quote from Antoine Ruel or, or maybe Oliver or Olivier Ruel. Uh -huh. um, just reviewing, M he, he, he like reviewed M11 draft mm -hmm. or something in like 100 words. And it was just like, yeah. I had a game. My my cards had words on them. My opponent's cards didn't have words on them, and the ones with words are better. I mean that that is magic in the in it, a nutshell. Yeah, really. yeah, it's like, really really eloquent. Mm -hmm. mm. Slip through space. A one blue sorcery. Devoid. Target creature can't be blocked this turn. Draw a card. You've seen it on the popper tables. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this card came came to the rest of Magic through Oath of the Gatewatch. It's a it's a, a regular popular casual card. And it was a great Surge enabler. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so you yeah. wanted these from the Surge deck. Netcaster Spider. Two and a green for a 2-3 uh, Spider with Reach. Whenever Netcaster Spider blocks a creature with flying, Netcaster Spider gets plus 2 plus 0 oh until end of turn. So this was pretty reasonable. Yeah, super solid card. Um, not necessarily affiliated with any particular... Archetype, pretty good in like the blue, green, and black, green slow decks. And also it's a reprint from, I want to say Innistrad? This isn't the first really? printing of Deck Spider. Yeah. You remember, Paul? We've got our best people on it. Uh, it was Where originally in Magic 2015. Oh, neat. Oh, okay. Uh, and it was also, it's also been in like Conspiracy and uh, Iconic Masters, but. The other, the, the other first, the first other... printing was Magic 2015 corset, hey? Neat. Yeah. I mean, it might be from Innistrad. The artwork looks very Innistrad-y, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah it might be a kind corset of card from Innistrad. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Neat. There's, yeah, Pegas Pegasi and Giant Spiders are uh, uh, don't mix very well. <laughs> the the uh, Pegasus tends to be uh, one of the targets that they show, always show for giant spiders. Oh, no. It's because they're so delicious, that horse meat. 
Atris, the, no. The spiders want it. All right, that's it for the comments. Yeah, on to our first uncommon. Embodiment of Insight. Four and a green for a 4-4 four, four elemental. It has Vigilance, and lands you control have Vigilance. What an interesting bit of rules text. Mm. It also has a landfall ability. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you may have target land you control become a 3-3 three, three elemental creature with haste until end of turn. It's still a land. This is a really solid card. It's yep. It might be the first pick. It, I'd probably prefer Isolation Zone so far, but uh, this thing really hits your opponent. It was a weird little mini cycle. It wasn't a complete cycle, right? These embodiments. There's definitely a red one, and there was a green one, and like maybe there was a black was a, one. Was there a white one? Maybe there was a white one. Okay, I think I, there weren't five though. No. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. I definitely remember there being a blue one, but I can't recall what it did offhand. Yeah. Anyway, um, the this this had uh, was this the first time where they said you know when a land becomes a creature it just gets haste so you don't have this to worry. This might have been where like, they started it. Yeah. Which basic you played this turn particularly koth of the hammer no. <laughs> that's funny <laughs> other parts of the embodiment elemental cycle <laughs> nice work um uh, yeah embodiment of fury right was the red one right three and a red maybe it's just those two yeah there's just those two right. interesting. these guys guess... this guy was from uh that's from constark here yeah Tark here, yeah. Oh. yeah different world Neat. so yeah i guess the they mainly turn up in the colors that saw large amounts of land yeah red green set. landfall was like the archetype like that was the main landfall archetype but yeah giving the land haste just makes things so much so, cleaner yeah so mm -hmm. koth of the hammer had a bunch of judge calls regularly where like you know a person would play a land and then target it with koth and it was like super awkward because they would like target one of their mountains when they had three and play and the opponent would say like no that's the one you played this turn and then like you know the judge has to go like well was it the one you play this turn and then that player goes i don't know and then the opponent goes it was and then you're like as a judge you're in a really awkward stupid spot yeah where it's so. like that once they hit the table they're largely like indistinguishable exactly except for one of them has summoning sickness if it becomes like it's not it something that, creature, yeah. that magic players particularly get trained around yeah it was like an unfortunate part of the rules that just kind of came up as things more things could turn things into creatures turn lands into creatures so they've done a pretty good job of like fixing it and this might yeah it might have been starting with oath when they were like okay everyone memo mm -hmm. if you turn a land into a creature you better darn well give that land haste uh next up we have malakir soothsayer for four and a black you get a four four vampire shaman ally with cohort our first instance of cohort uh cohort was um well in particular, Cohort wanted you to tap it and another ally, another untapped ally you control. And this one's Cohort ability reads, you draw a card and you lose one life. Pretty powerful ability. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the Phyrexian Arena, uh, or being able to say no to a Phyrexian Arena is is nice. Right. Oh, yeah, it's optional like, each turn, Phyrexian Arena. Well, the other thing is, like, if you had the pieces of the black-white ally deck, you were just, like full of life points oh yeah yeah galore. like we didn't see ondu cleric but that's like the main ondu cleric and vampire envoy are like the main um sort of engine of that deck mm -hmm. and then this is like this is kind of like the primo end game spice where you can start out carding your opponent instead of just out lifing them right vampire envoy was the one we mentioned earlier the right. one four flyer with i remembered what it was tap. called yeah. yeah uh which gains you one life and then ondu cleric was a bear it's in a white yeah white that when it became colorless. tapped it gained you two life it's cohort so oh, okay. it, it lets you tap yeah. Oh, so sorry. The yes. Envoy Boy gains you a life whenever have cohort. gets tapped, and then right. also the 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 cohort white creature just taps itself in another ally to gain you two life. Right. So tapping mm -hmm. onto cleric, uh, tapping vampire envoy with onto clerics 
cohort ability gains you three life. Yeah, so if you get both those together. Oh, it's not Ondu Cleric, my bad. Uh, Ondu War Priest, maybe? I can see the card art now. It's a human yeah. holding a sword with a lot of force. There we go, War yeah. Cleric. Ondu War Cleric. Mm. The war of gaining even slower life than Ondu Cleric did. I don't know. Hmm. Ondu Cleric's funny, actually. He's a bit of like a combo with... Like the ally decks sometimes also play that one because if you get clones of him or whatever, you can gain just like a ridiculous amount of life hmm. in a short period of time. Uh, next up we have Pyromancer's Assault. For three and a red, you get an enchantment. Whenever you cast your second spell each turn, Pyromancer's Assault deals two damage to target creature or player. So for a while they were printing uh, these kind of like red enchantments that um, encouraged you to do the thing. Yes. Right. Like this reminds me a bit of the best uh, one was the flashback one, right? Yeah, burning, burning uh, vengeance, burning vengeance. Yeah, that one actually was a deck. Yes. And then they kept trying to like bring, make make burning vengeance but, again. Yeah, exactly. Work again, and yeah. it it just never seemed to pay off. Like yeah. burning vengeance was was awesome. They started making them cost four or five, right? Mm -hmm. Like because you know burning vengeance. Sometimes it was the three O deck of the draft table. Like you know it didn't ask too much of you since like playing flashback spells is just kind of good. I, I, I tried to make Burning Vengeance work in standard even, sure. just by playing like Think Twice and uh, Faithless Looting and what was the red draw to discard, discard one, one random with the blue flashback cost? Yeah, yeah. I want to say like, it's not insane ravings, but it's something yeah, it's like definitely that. definitely ravings of some Ravings kind. is in there, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I also played that card in standard a little bit, just in a deck with a bunch of Snapcaster mages. Maybe yeah. I was playing Burning Vengeance too. I don't. Think yeah, so. and then you had Snapcasters, and then like I think I played Augur of Bolas to look at the bottom three cards in my library, and <laughs> desperate, desperate ravings. ravings. Yeah, yeah, there they are. There's that crazy lady inside that. It looks like the cart that takes you to prison. That's where, it, mm -hmm. <laughs> or it takes you to the insane asylum, I guess. But yeah, anyways, this one didn't happen. Didn't, Power Monster's Salt was worked. not a card you yeah. were afraid of on the other side of the table. Well, yeah. it's they. I mean, and they're being a little conservative about like uh, Storm or whatever. Like rather than mm -hmm. rather than you know after the second spell, it just keeps triggering. That it only mm -hmm. triggers. It can only it ever trigger, trigger once per yeah. turn. Maximum right. one shock per turn. Yeah. Yeah. Not not terribly inspiring. Uh, our rare for the pack mm. is Eldrazi Obligator. For two and a red, you get a three one Eldrazi with Devoid and haste and okay and when you and another ability when you cast Eldrazi Obligator you may pay one and a colorless if you do gain control of target creature until end of turn untap that creature and it gains haste until end of turn where yeah uh, so this is a lot like uh, um, a card I'm actually running in my my deck over here perfect what a uh, segue yeah no smooth uh, this card's pretty strong yeah Oh yeah, absolutely. The ability to just like uh, active trees in one of your opponent's creatures and on a body that gets haste. Yeah, three can can three, very one dramatically haste for three swing a, a match. Is like a kind of almost basically playable card on its own. So putting mm -hmm. another really powerful ability on top of it is nice. This is like not the only card from this set to come to modern, but probably the most recent one. Just like the last card that kind of made it into. Oh, we got a really nice swamp too. I really like. Yeah. That. I forgot that these. These packs the, also have the, the young full park swamp, yeah, swamp from the first uh, Innistrad set. Mm -hmm. like the reprint, the, the one that survived. The chase reprint. They, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, I think our first pick might. Would it might be the soothsayer or the isolation zone. Mm -hmm. It like those isolation two zone are is embodiment a, of insight. I think or the rare. The rare is quite good if you want to mm -hmm. be in isolation zone. Is not splashable, so mm -hmm. you're also cutting white. I believe if you take the isolation zone, if that is a thing that you trust the other people at your pod to 
to pay much attention to. I think Isolation Zone is the safest pick and the one with the highest power potential is the embodiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I do like the, the Soothsayer. The Soothsayer is great. And the embodiment. There's a couple of interesting cards You here. kind of like can't play the Soothsayer unless you're pretty committed to allies. So you, mm-hmm. you can't necessarily hope it wheels, but you, it feels weird picking it first. Well, yeah. yeah, like the person to your left who picked up, who first picked Vampire Envoy is super excited to yeah. see the, uh, the, the Soothsayer. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about your decks. Okay. So, sorry, I was just going to say, as a side note, looking at these, uh, uh, the the oath cards, um, do you, now looking back on this set and, and in constructed formats, especially more sort of eternal formats like Highlander or whatever, do you think the Devoid like increases the value of a card in general or decreases it? Or does it basically not, not matter? Like, you know, like a... Uh, whatever a three three for three versus like a three three for three vanilla versus a three three for three with the void like do you care which one you're playing or does it really like does it the cases where it matters are very very seldom so my answer to this is kind of the one i already gave first and foremost i just don't like it because it causes judge calls that can be <laughs> awkward mm-hmm. um but I don't know, from a play standpoint, it, it comes up occasionally that it matters. Like, there's some interactions with a thing looking for a color. It's like, I play Ugin in a lot of decks, so if you have, like, right. if Ugin doesn't kill the Eldrazi, mm. right? He doesn't exile them with his minus, so that can be relevant. Um, I remember once seeing, uh, blanking of all things, a Sultai charm right. with a Devoid creature, somehow. It's, because it Sultai charm is a monocolored creature. creature. Right. It okay. seems like it's almost never bad for you. Well, there's well, Force of Will and be. Green Sun Zenith. Those two yeah. come to mind, right? So, like, if you right, have a, right. a creature that costs blue mana but doesn't pitch to Force of Will, that comes up in Highlander. And then Green Sun Zenith, I don't know, trying to find your... There's, like, a color of the claw that's that's a Devoid creature, so you can't go get that one, although you wouldn't want to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, if but, you're getting, what, World Smasher or whatever it's called, the, the, the enormous green one? Right, right. World I don't Breaker. Need, World Breaker, I don't think that sees any Highlander play. Not a, not that I know of, yeah. Uh, but it's like there's there are some cards that care about colored permanence, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I think for me, it's more of a hindrance probably most of the time. But it's definitely close. Like it's definitely close to not mattering because the main thing you do, the main reason that you care about color is because it's associated with mana cost, right? Like the you know, right. If a card is a certain color, you can or cannot cast it in your deck. Well, yeah, and I think mainly what Devoid would wind up doing is surprising both players. Yeah, right. Exactly, and that, that's and that like what the judge the calls usually are, right? Yeah. Where it's like it's two turns, and someone's thinking about their game, and then they call the judge, and they're like, "I did this thing that was mm-hmm. wrong. I'm sorry, I was confused." But like, th- there were some interesting decks in this set. I really enjoyed the uh, surprise, surprise. I really enjoyed the blue black Eldrazi deck. Oh yeah, yeah. That the like ingest based one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, they just wanted to play uh, Stormcrows and. Um, uh, the uncommon in this that wasn't the mind shriek or mind flayer mind mind shrieker mind rider something yeah i really like that card i played i played i think i got two of them in my pool that's the the archetype i played at uh the gp vancouver oh yeah that was limited for the set i didn't make day two but i thought my deck was really good it was just like i had a lot of mana sinks like that one Mm. and then i had you know i had the s depleter and well there was was fun to play there there was like a two four common flyer in blue that uh whenever you played a, a colorless right it would mill them yeah and yeah. then i also in one of my decks i had the the two one flyer that you could bounce back to your hand 
Okay. Or was it just a 1-1 one, one flyer? It was definitely an Eldrazi. It was right. colorless for blue, and it, you know, it was whatever, a flash creature with, sure. with flying, but it had an ability to bounce back to your hand, and I'd be like, aha, I'm bouncing it, and my opponent would be like, game 12 life, kill you. Right. And I'm like, bounce my thing, mill you too. <laughs> um, nice. But it made Mind me melter. Mind melter. There Sorry, we go. Sorry, I couldn't remember your name, little buddy. Yeah, this guy was super fun. Mm -hmm. Three mana, two, two, can't block, and then for... Uh, or can't be blocked. Can't be blocked. Sorry, yeah, can't be. That's, yeah, that's what I meant to say. Um, and then for four, you can make your opponent exile a card of their choice from their hand. Pretty sweet. All right. Well, uh, thank but that's, you. That's not like a card you're playing. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're, yes. You got a card like Eldrazi Obligator. Yes. Yeah. So thank you very much, Cassie13, for that pack. But the card that I run in my Highlander deck that is much like Eldrazi Obligator, but is not Eldrazi Obligator, smooth, Cameron. So smooth. Is Zealous Conscripts. Nice. And I wanted to talk a little bit about... Um, this is something that if you watch any of our other streams, I've been on about for a couple of months. And the question that I've been trying to ask myself and uh, get a handle on is what makes something challenging, right? Right. What makes something hard or difficult, right? We t in, in video games, a lot of the time you talk about like, well, what difficulty level do you want to play on? Um, and uh, a lot of the time playing on higher difficulty is about setting an interesting challenge for yourself where you have you know the, these constraints that limit what you're able to do or what you're able to play and uh i always enjoyed as i as i called it learning on hard mode okay um where you set up yourself with uh, uh maybe maybe a disadvantage or maybe just kind of like uh, an overly complex thing that kind of forces you to learn everything at once right uh, and I don't think it's necessarily a good strategy, but it's one that I commonly fall back on when I'm trying to dive into something new. Okay, yeah, you regularly when you're trying something new, you want to just have all the information thrown at you at the same time. Yeah, and, and I mean... Of, that's I, partly your learning style, you think? Yeah, yeah. Par partly my learning style because I think it keeps me engaged. Okay. And it quite frequently leads to frustration, uh, which anyone who's watched my home streams will be able to tell you. But it's also something that allows my... Uh, constantly distracted attention always affords it like something to latch on to. Right. Uh, but which is to say that I'm playing kind of a weak deck in our Highlander League. Okay. Okay. So for you to, to like try to pull this back to the main mm -hmm. theme here, it's like for you, you know, it, and th this makes sense, but it's like something is harder if the pieces you're working with, like in your deck, you know, the, if the controls that you have on the game are just just weaker, you're just playing a character who's handicapped essentially in in, in the game, right? right? Okay. Um, so is zealous conscripts a handicap? Is that well? How does that tie in? Well, for five mana, you get a three three body, <clears throat> right? Right, with haste, and it has this this uh, 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 mark of mutiny effect or this. Uh, uh, threaten effect. Yeah, threaten effect. But it can target any permanent. Right. So that either player controls. Yeah, I mean, five mana for a three-three haste that grabs a thing. Okay, how do, mm -hmm. how is this good? And it's very good in my aristocrats deck. Okay. And aristocrats is the strategy where you play um, a lot of synergistic creatures that feed off each other quite right. literally. Um, so you the the deck is named after um, a standard deck from Innistrad uh, scars. Innistrad Scars block? Is that right? Maybe? No. no return in, to Ravnica. Innistrad Return to Ravnica. Original Innistrad Return to Ravnica. And uh, the reason course, it is of called course. Aristocrat, Aristocrat yeah. is because of the presence of two cards, Cartel Aristocrat and Falconrath Aristocrat. And 
thus the name which borrows from an old stand-up comedy routine called what, what do you call that act the aristocrats which is a complete non-sequitur um so you play uh these creatures that more on that set, on our late night stream right? yes yeah, yeah that yeah. you get uh falconrath aristocrat or let's talk about cabal aristocrat cabal aristocrat is a 2-2 human advisor for white and black cartel cartel, cartel yeah. sorry um, what did I say? Cabal, which hopefully Cabal. we'll get in Modern Horizons. Oh, man. Cabal Aristocrat would be amazing. Let's talk about Cabal Aristocrat instead. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> Whenever you sacrifice something, name a card. Yeah. Your opponent reveals their hand. If they have it in hand, they lose two life. Yeah. Ooh. Well, Exile this we'll, from we'll your get, graveyard. We'll get Cabal Therapist. High five um, the closest member of LRR. Yeah. White and black, you get a 2-2 human advisor with a line of text that reads, Sacrifice another creature. Cartel Aristocrat gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn. So... Uh, blocks really well, can swing through most of your opponent's board pretty well. Sometimes and, requires two activations, but yeah. Yeah, and gives you a sack outlet. Now, For why no do you, mana. This yeah. is how they used to make sacrifice outlets back in the day, kids. Yeah, absolutely. When we, you, the, the free ones are the best ones. So you can quite easily imagine a situation where you have Cartel Aristocrat on the battlefield. You play Zealous Conscripts, you grab your opponent's best creature, you swing with everything, and then you feed your opponent's best creature to Cartel Aristocrat. Right. Either, Either before, before or, or after, after combat. Damage. Yeah, depending yeah. on depending on how they block or depending on if you want to... If your opponent's at two, you just feed it directly to the aristocrat. Okay, so I understand the dream so perfectly now. I understand oh, it. Yeah. So why is it challenging? Well, because uh, I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah, okay. Fundamentally, right, uh, <clears throat> what I've been told over and over again by Highlander veterans is that the aristocrat's deck in Highlander is very strong. Okay. It it does work. It works quite well. It's difficult to pilot. Uh, one of the challenges with it is that a lot of the sack outlets work in slightly different ways and trigger on slightly different things. For example, um, you, you, you get uh, cards that want to... Um, Here's another one while he's mm -hmm. looking for a third. Just the second aristocrat we talked about has a similar ability. It says sacrifice a creature... Falconrath Aristocrat's indestructible until in turn, but also if a human was sacrificed, it gets a plus one, plus one counter on Falconrath Aristocrat. So this one, just like Cartel Aristocrat, lets you sacrifice a creature for no mana, but it also asks you this extra question of just like, well, are you going to be sacrificing humans? Because you might want to sacrifice them to me instead of Cartel Aristocrat or, you know, uh, Carrion Feeder or whoever else you've got lying around. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, this is, this is one of those abilities that's never been you know, uh, keyworded or anything. And so it's always, it's always sort of uh, similar, but slightly different on, on every, every time it's put forward. And I don't think they're going to keyword this ability. Like, I don't know. It, yeah. it doesn't, doesn't need to be, but, but just the, so you, you just have to be really, uh, uh, you know, you're sort of halfway through some line of play and you're like, wait, no, this isn't that guy. Crap. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You've <laughs> yeah, just got to be like gone wrong. You've got to be vigilant about your sacrifice outlets. I mean, right? for instance, yeah. this guy can sack to himself, whereas the cartel can't. Right. Mm -hmm. It says another creature. That's super relevant too. Yeah. Thanks so for noticing that one. Falconrath yeah. Aristocrat can dodge O-ring. I already punted on this podcast. Hmm. Uh, so I want to look <coughs> at three cards here that all have um, different effects and work in slightly different ways on death triggers or something else. Okay. You have Blasting Station as one of the cards. Um, it is a three mana artifact with a line of text that reads tap and sacrifice a creature. Blasting Station deals one damage to target creature or player. Whenever a creature comes into play, you may untap Blasting Station. 
Okay. Right? That's pretty straightforward, right? This will yeah. ping something. Uh, you can activate it in response to your opponent playing a creature. I was once able to kill Surge on a, is it Frailies? That's a Planeswalker? Yeah, a Planeswalker that uh, when you ultimate her, she returns a bunch of, um, how does it I thought she draws a whole bunch of cards if you ultimate it her. It might not be Frailies. It okay, may Frailies been, like destroys an enchantment or makes a land of It was another or... one of those uh, commander exclusive green, green Planeswalkers that makes 5-3 lands. Oh, 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 it's a creature. Oh. Um, Titania. Titania. So when right. she enters the battlefield, okay, you get to return totally all... totally wrong. No, you're totally close. There are two <laughs> commander exclusives from the same deck. Right. Uh, and they're both legendary green permanents. There we go. So you get a land back from your graveyard when she enters the battlefield. And then... Oh, I guess she was. they reprinted that deck in the anthology. Cool. Hmm. And then whenever a land you control is put into a graveyard, you make a 5-3. So it's good with Wasteland, and then it's like a combo with Zurin Orb. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was able to kill Surge on Blasting Station activations because it put a bunch of ETB triggers on the stack and then you can activate in response to it. Right. And that, that felt cool. And I was able to keep that straight in my head. Um, probably because I wasn't running anything like Goblin Sharpshooter at the same moment. Um, right. For two and a red, Goblin Sharpshooter is a 1-1 one, one Goblin uh, with a couple of lines of text. Goblin Sharpshooter doesn't untap during your untap step. Oh, that's a bummer. That seems not great. Yeah. Uh, whenever a creature is put into a graveyard from play, untap Goblin Sharpshooter. All right. Okay. And tap and, uh, or it has an ability, tap, Goblin Sharpshooter deals one damage to target creature or player. So this will, like, machine gun down a board as long as things are dying. Right. Right? This will kill any number of X1s. That's right. Uh, and then untap when they die. Okay brain we can we can keep these interactions straight something so enters the battlefield you activate <clears throat> blasting station then you can shoot it that'll untap the sharp sh no. blood artist okay <laughs> one in a black classic card awesome card from Minas uh, well this is from uh dark ascension right for an oh one block yeah when blood artist or <clears throat> another creature dies target player loses one life and you gain one life Cam tried to say you control because yes, some of the because, other similar yeah, cards. Yeah, the more recent ones have been you control. Uh, for example, uh, well, the. Um, Judith's a good example, right? Yeah. Does she? Well, Judith. Judith hits non tokens. Okay. Judith cares it's about non-token. It's only non-token non creature control. Well, that's cool. We just jumped two steps forward, right? Yeah. So there's, there's Blood Artist is kind of like the original Blood Artist. Mm -hmm. And then these other Blood Artists that have come later said, you know, okay, only when your own creatures die, yes. not when your opponent creatures die, do you get to make your opponent lose life. And then Judith, the most recent uh, piece of the puzzle here, just says only when your own non-token -cre non creatures die mm -hmm. will she deal some damage. Uh, then we also have... Grim Harispex. Mm. For two and a black, you get a 3-2 human wizard. Uh, it has morph. It unmorphs for, for black. That's sometimes useful, I suppose. You could cast a colorless creature instead of a black creature. Ooh. Yeah. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, draw a card. Right. Um, also cares about tokens or not. Mm -hmm. Outpost Siege. Mm. Three, and a, three and a red for an enchantment. As, as Outpost Siege enters the battlefield, choose cons or dragons. Uh, the relevant one, frequently, is dragons. Whenever a creature you control leaves the battlefield, Outpost Siege deals one damage to target creature or player. So yeah, we see a lot of different variations on the same themes. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm just complicating my life too much. Uh, but No, I feel like these should all be in the same deck. Seems right. Zulaport Cutthroat. 
another one of these effects uh, from, well, from, from uh, Battle for Zendikar block. One in a black, you get a 1-1 human rogue ally. Whenever Zulaport Cutthroat or another creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Okay. Okay, so this so one, this, this time he only counts the creatures you control. Yes, He's but like he the, will trigger on tokens. Right. I mean, to me, this is the really one of the more interesting things about Highlander, you know, as a format. When you have a hundred car- singleton cards, when you're trying to put together a deck, there's always there is that interesting aspect of you can't just do four of all the best stuff. You know, you gotta right. you start getting into kind of some the the more more esoteric versions of a particular mechanic yeah oh absolutely right it, it gets um the 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 example alex always uses is sarcomancy when he's building zombies sure right because y- you quite frequently want to just like go through gatherer and search for a creature subtype zombie right right or creature type zombie right and you and miss that miss, misses that. this card called sarcomancy which is a one black enchantment that when it enters the battlefield put a two two black zombie creature token onto the battlefield so this is like another Carnophage. Yes. Right? Right. Uh, but it's it's the kind of thing that uh, it it's an example of how uh, subtly different templating makes gatherer searches suddenly just so much more of a pain to do. Right. Yeah. You really just need like a shopkeep mm-hmm. <laughs> or something to help you with the gatherer search. Uh, hissing Iguana. Or to look at deck lists. For guess, another right? like pseudo blood artist effect is right. uh, two and a red for a three one. So this this thing can swing in. Yeah, it's uh, got power. Meaningfully. Whenever another creature dies, you may have Hissing Iguana deal one damage to target creature or planeswalker. So player, player or planeswalker. Planeswalker, right? yeah. yeah. Just to, yeah, yeah, it was originally. Just pings players. Just players, yeah. Yes. So again subtly different this this doesn't drain this pings yeah which can be different it doesn't count itself either yeah Yeah. it doesn't count itself but it counts creatures your opponents control right uh so there's all these different ways that the same board state could play out depending on which pieces you have right like say your, your opponent has you know a Soren Markov and, you know, two black mana open and they have like four mana rocks tapped and they have three cards in hand and it's your turn depend, you know, and, and they have three loyalty on Soren and you're like, well, I have like, you know, a wildly different set of options available to me depending on which, which attempt at playing the same cards in my deck I've drawn. Right. Because right. Like the, the Iguana, <clears throat> sorry, the Iguana, the blood artist, the Zulaport cutthroat and the blasting station, you know, Judith and Sharpshooter are all kind of like trying to represent the same blood artist slot in your deck, right? Like right. if, it, if this was a standard deck tech, instead of all this different card you art, have, you'd have like four blood artists. Yes, four right? blood artists and then maybe two other. Sure. Or other just four blood, blood artists because yeah. you only have 60 cards in your deck. So instead of six, you'd have four, right? Right. Um, and it's like there's so many less words so this is a challenging thing about like Highlander in general, mm-hmm. but maybe about this deck in particular too, because like if you're playing, you know, blue green taking turns, mm-hmm. sure, rampant growth does something different from Farseek, but barely, and it doesn't take up, it's not a permanent. It goes right. and finds the same permanent, right? They both go and find like an island, um, and put it into play tapped, and then you have the same island in play tapped. Or like even if you want to get more complicated, say like Demonic Tutor and Grim Tutor and Rhystic Tutor all do something different 
Sure, they do. Mm-hmm. But then you get to resolve them and go get the same Black Lotus out of your deck, right? Well, where it gets really interesting is when you introduce cards like Hangerback Walker. All right. Um, and say you have, even if you just have two of these effects in play at once, right. you play Hangerback Walker. Say you've got, uh, I don't know, Blasting Station. So you had enough mana to or, play Hangerback for four or what? What do you think? You just played it for yeah, two? But like, you, you, you. Say you play hanger back for for even two, okay. just because we only need one token. All right, right. We've pe- you, spent two mana. We have a hanger back walker with one plus one plus one counter on it, and uh, pick any two arbitrarily, right? But suddenly right. you can imagine things, situations where it gets quite important for your sequencing because hanger back walker is a real creature right. that makes tokens when it dies. So what order do you sacrifice things? You you need a more complicated board state than this, and that quite easily happens, right? But say you've got one sack outlet, and you can go for the kill this turn, you're pretty sure, but you need to be able to sacrifice your Blood Artist and your Hanger Backwalker and then the token right. in a way that maximizes the amount of damage you're doing, all of the course. while interacting with things like, you know, Blasting Station or Sharpshooter tr- uh, activations or triggers. Yeah, I mean, it starts getting into that, that thing, you know, the... Uh, I always, which tends to come up sometimes, uh, or or with uh, Highlander, where you know I always think of like the 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 puzzles in magazines, right? Where it's like mm. you know you have one turn to win. This is yeah. your board state. This is the yeah. other board state. Yeah, what magic do you do? The puzzling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember in Scry magazine once reading <coughs> one of those articles where it was like you know fortune smiled on you this turn and you drew regrowth. Right. Right. Here's the contents of your graveyard. Here's the board state. What do you regrow to kill your opponent this turn? Mm. And it's like, so, you know, for instance, like, I can imagine that if, say, for instance, you had a demonic tutor and you go, okay, demonic tutor, which of those, you know, half dozen uh, blood artist ish cards? Mm-hmm. Or the, or yeah. sacrifice outlets or whatever you want to go for, you know you got to know a lot about not only your own deck and its what capabilities, what cards you've already played that game, etc. But also about the meta, what your opponent is probably playing, what stuff you know, what if you know if your opponent if you know your opponent is going to have a lot of tokens, maybe you don't go and get Judith, you know, or if you know right whatever. Right, like on, on creature-heavy boards, you want to get your Blood Artist first because that also triggers off your opponent's creatures dying. Right. Right? But maybe if they're on control, then Judith is just the correct one because she also buffs your team and lets you swing in for maybe those couple of extra points of damage. Yeah. There's a bunch of different ways that this deck can operate. Mm-hmm. Where And yeah, I, I find that on one hand, like it makes my mind swim, but I, on my good days, I find it really pleasing. Okay. Right. And, and it's uh, nice, like, it's not always just, you know, go for the whatever, go for the combo. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever you have, as soon as you have a chance, you know, you go for the whatever, Thespian Stage, Darkest Steps, and just do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and it's just how many different ways can I get to that one combo? It's all sorts of different ways of going about your what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Right. This, this deck doesn't exactly try to assemble an A plus B. It's more of a synergy deck where you might get into a position where you have basically a combo like you you see that <clears throat> after a few turns and you've attacked your opponent down to 12 you can just spend one more turn putting a counter on hanger back and then you can sack your whole board to win and that feels like a combo but it always just gets there organically by <coughs> excuse me putting the various pieces together mm-hmm. 
Okay, I uh, want to I want to return if I can because I oh, remember you said yeah. that like one of the things you find challenging has to do with the fact that you don't have a lot of money. So is that right. just that you're playing still a subpar version of this deck? Is that what you meant? Uh, well, y yes. The version of the deck that I'm trying to build towards is the four-color version. Oh, uh, okay. Because this deck does really well when it's able to run green. Right. And not necessarily for the reasons you might immediately think of, like, powerful creatures like, uh, what was the 5-3 that when it dies you get a 3-3? Three, three? Titanium. Oh, uh, Thrag Tusk? Thrag Tusk. You know, objectively very powerful. Both card. seem like pretty good, pretty good uh, creatures. Yeah. The the winningest version of this deck that runs green all, does not run Thrag Tusk. Okay. It runs green for mana dorks, because Weird. all this deck wants to top deck are more homies to throw into the wood chipper. Sure. Right. So we don't want to spend five on two dudes. We want to spend one on one dude. Right. Yeah. And what you want to do is like, ideally, you know, turn one play is something like Elves of Deep Shadow or Birds of Paradise, or right. um, uh, Noble Hierarch, or Death Rite Shaman. Right. Um, and frequently those cards stop being good in late game, but when you but can not just, in this deck, right? Yeah, when yeah. you can just feed Avacyn's Pilgrim to Falkenrath Aristocrat, that suddenly feels like a much more uh, live draw right. later on. And I find that to be quite an interesting deck building challenge as well. When I'm looking at, I mean, I, I, I have now just kind of looked at the um, the winningest decks and realized that sure is three Moxen. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we're probably not going to get there, but I, I think there's a lot of interesting, well, speaking with Jer and, and Ben Wheeler, they have said that the, the players who run the winningest Aristocrats deck have agreed that there is probably about two two flex slots Oh really? Yeah. In in the the correct deck list, where you can run a card that is different from what they are running. <laughs> okay. But otherwise, it's it's a pretty tight deck list that um, uh, where there are best in slot cards. Right. For, okay. For each rule, and maybe you get something that printed that is a bit better. Maybe Hunted Witness is better than uh, Martyr of Dusk. Sure. Right. Seems because, like two bodies for one minute. Yeah. For. And for one mana instead sorry, of two is mana. Mar yeah, Martyr of Dusk is two, right? That's yes, because it's a two-one, yeah. and really that point of power doesn't make a huge difference to you. Not as much as the point of mana, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, these synergistic decks are always kind of interesting because you have to find the balance between the aristocrats, which are the cards that want to eat other creatures, the cards that... B the blood artist effects that gain a benefit when a creature you control dies or when a creature dies, and then the fodder for them. Right. The the the, the ninety nine percent. Yeah. The creatures with persist or undying or that make a token when they die. Right. Um, or even things like perilous or have mirror a, or have a death effect. Yeah. Yes. Cards with a death effect. Um, and like the great one is Mog War Marshal. Oh yeah. Everyone loves All the Mog things. War Marshal. Yeah. Exactly. Three bodies on one card. So my God. Uh, For two mana. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and. There are also the cards that uh, just kind of have a useful effect. Like, I'm 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 gonna give Mesmeric Fiend a shot. Great, yeah. Uh, because it has the templating where if you sacrifice it with Mesmeric Fiend, Mesmeric Fiend for one and a black, you get a uh, horror for one one. I think. Yeah. This is a this is a Japanese. Maybe it's a nightmare. I don't know. Yeah. This is a, this is a Chinese version I found. <laughs> anyway, in, it's in a, a pile. It's a one one for two mana. Yeah, and when it enters the battlefield, you look at an opponent's hand and exile a card with it. When Mesmeric Fiend dies, or leaves the battlefield, I should say, right. uh, return that card to their hand. But if you sacrifice it with the first ability on the stack, it dies 
the second ability goes on the stack first. That resolves. It has nothing exiled because the first ability hasn't resolved yet. And then you just blow something out of their hand forever. That's right. And you've gotten a death trigger. Right. Yeah. Assuming you've got a sacrifice outlet, because mm-hmm. you need to be able to sacrifice this with the enter the battlefield effect on the stack. But yeah, then yeah. you get to spend two mana for what usually most decks are just trying to do this for is just kind of permanently thought seize your opponent. Right. But but your deck obviously gets a whole bunch out of a creature dying sometimes. So uh, well, hopefully yeah. that's the plan. And I'm I'm also just running thought seize. Right. Uh, so if you if you had the like best version or the 98 cards plus your two favorite extra cards or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, with the green mana dorks in it, would all of these complicated decisions still be there? Or do you think then if you played that deck, it would be like getting to play this deck, but on training wheels? Oh, or, I, I I think it, you would, it would make it deliciously more complex. Oh, really? Right? Okay, because be then more you, complicated. Well, uh, because then you also have to think of like, well, what, what, what creatures am I going to activate for mana this turn, right? right. Um, like, is it better to swing in? What's what's the math look like? Because all these mana dorks mostly have a point of power as well. Well, right? yeah, hopefully. And sometimes they can also uh, pick up grafted war gear if right, you okay. need to. Is that right? another one in your deck? It is. It's kind of an interesting one. Grafted war gear is a pretty fun card that a lot of Highlander decks play and is like your favorite thing to see if you're playing Mindslaver. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it just allows you to eliminate your enti- your opponent's entire Although, board. Maybe by the time they've mindslavered you, they can go right ahead and sacrifice all your creatures, and you're still gonna win. Yeah, yeah, yeah because then, huh? Suddenly, it's your opponent's <laughs> opponent's problem. They've got to figure out what order things have to be sacrificed in. <laughs> Grafted War Gear is a three mana artifact equipment. Uh, equipped creature gets plus three, plus two. Oh, okay, that seems pretty linear. Whenever Grafted War Gear becomes unattached from a creature, sacrifice that creature. Equip zero. That's pretty good. So you can just buzzsaw through your entire board with Grafted War Gear. Right. Well, you've got to get to one creature, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, your entire board except uh, one Blood except Artist. Except for one, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The last Blood Artist who's just standing there suddenly with enormous arms going, suddenly what being just free happened? Three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, as Alex says, this is kind of like the ultimate get em card. Sure, right? yeah. Where, uh, like, you went, this, is a, this is a statement of intent. Yeah, you definitely want to be attacking and also sacrificing creatures when you play this card. Mm-hmm. So it sounds to me like, for you, what makes things challenging is playing a deck that, like, the like the hard mode of this deck is that you have all of these puzzle pieces that you need to put together, mm-hmm. right? And, like, you know what each of them do, but every time you play a game, it's sort of unclear what order they're supposed to come down, or it depends on your opponent and like. Right. The, the, there's many different configurations. You don't have like you don't have in. a super super clear like linear, you know. If we're to bring it back to deck techs, oftentimes we talk about like a critical turn in a deck mm-hmm. tech or what that's supposed to look like, or like the ideal draw. Right. And with your deck, it's kind of just like, well. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, what do you have in hand? What 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 life total is your opponent at? What are they likely to have? Because you're honestly trying to play a warped but still fair game of Magic the Gathering right. where you are casting creatures and then crashing in and reducing your opponent's life total to zero without doing things like taking extra turns or generating arbitrarily large amounts of mana or storm count. Right. Um, yeah, you do want to cast creatures, attack with creatures, sacrifice them with Blood Artist and play if necessary. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's that is basically the linear plan. It's just... Right. The, the, it looks more complicated than that every time you play a game. Right, because the, there's all these subtly different modes, and there's a lot of, like, um, uh, 
you know, tantalizing complexity here that I, I really enjoy and I'm not good at. If you've ever watched me play this game on any of our Highlander streams, you see me just struggling with it. And I want to be good at it. Okay. I Because I think it's an incredibly satisfying um, deck to be good with. Right. Because the lines can be very complex. It's kind of like Storm, but with creatures. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like the what we've talked through is basically no less complicated than just figuring out what order to go tutor for things in like a Lotus Storm deck. Mm -hmm. So, and that's like pretty satisfying when you when you win with it, I guess. But this is like, yeah, also quite cool. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm also not saying that this is hard mode as a way of disparaging other decks or in a, any way kind of trying to inflate myself, but just acknowledging that this is, there's a lot going on here right. that works in ways that are just different enough that make you that give you pause and try to make you think about things and reward you for having planned things out correctly. Anyway, I'm trying to put together the green version is my point, oh, cool. I guess. Okay, that's uh, great, yeah. Because, you know, I also like winning games. <laughs> well, I, I, though, though, to be fair, Alex has, I think he's 5-0'd uh, Highlander Knights with a Mardu Aristocrats deck, so it is possible. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you're playing bad cards in the place of the green cards, but one mm -hmm. of the things in, in Highlander and, like, all all the Eternal formats is you want to be just, like, starting your game on turn one. Yes. Yeah, getting out, <coughs> being one turn faster. Yeah. Right, it's like, is, is the difference between, well, like, my most recent example is in Modern, right. where um, Dovin Bond suddenly makes, uh, or the, the addition of Dovin Bond to the Goblin Electromancer deck suddenly made Gifts Ungiven a playable card in Storm because you could play it on turn three. Right. Um, instead of having to wait until turn four. And the difference is huge. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you also so, you also get to give some given on turn three if you have an Electromancer in play, right? But right. It's like but an like extra the, copy of the it or additional yeah. consistency right. of being able to do that is, is yeah, very cool. powerful and made all the difference for that deck. Right. Uh, so being able to get out and suddenly uh, like running a Mox out and a Mana Dork mm -hmm. suddenly makes Falconrath Aristocrat a turn two play. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. And that's great, right? Obviously, that's. That's more the kind of powerful magic we're hoping to see mm -hmm. um, when we're watching games of Highlander. Yeah, I, I kind of think of our format as like, you want your turn one, I mean, if, if possible to include moxes, but so, moxes aside, it's like you want your, your turn one to kind of include either Birds of Paradise, Thoughtseize, or, you know, Force Spike, like something like that. Like you either want to be, I mean, P Ponder is acceptable, but not great. Like it's like Ancestral right. Vision, you know, Thoughtseize, Birds of Paradise. Like, those are, like, the three main avenues. Right. Like and the then very, Goblin, or Goblin Guide. Just the like, the very know. powerful declarations of intent. Yeah, just, like, make sure that you're you're moving your game forward one step. Mm -hmm. yeah, I didn't the, mention a white card, which is probably why I, like, I never play white and don't even understand. Yeah, what is the... The, the white card, one... I, think, I think Adam, if, if, if uh, 20... Uh, excuse me, 2017 Highlander Champ, and mm. we're here, he'd probably just tell me it's uh, Ancient Tomb. You know, like, yeah, that's, in, that's the white card, right? Like, yeah, or, or or maybe something like uh, Aether Vial. Sure, yeah. Is Aether Vial the, yeah. the ideal turn one white yeah, play? Yeah, so it's like the red the red and white decks, like the, the core ones, or like the, the monocolored ones, they're mostly just, like, trying to put creatures on the battlefield mm. and attack them immediately. Mm -hmm. And then, like, the green decks are, are ramping up mana, which I'm, I'm the most familiar with. Or, or the black decks that are trying to disassemble your hand. Or the blue decks that are trying to, like, 
outcard you or or disrupt you they have their choice but you right. want to the point the point i'm trying to make is that you just want to be making sure you're doing it on turn one and so the green really helps you do that so Absolutely. hopefully you'll you'll feel like you're kind of caught up and you have a bit of breathing room against these other decks i'm sure that in the league are already doing that right like already doing unfair things really quickly mm -hmm. and the fact that this deck can apparently hang with those oh yeah it's a the, real with, deck yeah yeah this this is not just like a um uh, a hobby deck even though i guess i am approaching this as a hobby deck like one it, of those decks that th there are kind of multiple modes that you can approach highlander in yeah one where you have like an enormous collection and you're you kind of think about what you won't feel like sleeving up this week right and the other mode where you have the deck that you enjoy and you kind of incrementally improve it over time right you foil things out or you you substitute in just you know a slightly better card over time well i think uh, this deck for sure but I think also Storm just started out as a pet deck hmm. for like a couple players, and like, yeah, one of them just st stuck with it, and now it's kind of the boogeyman, right? You know, right, like one right. of them in the format. Yeah, one yeah. of the driving forces behind uh, uh, pointless changes. Yeah. So what? I mean, whatever. Yeah, whatever your favorite deck is in Canadian Highlander, you know, like, yeah, it it, it might be the next real deck. Probably everyone you talk to will say like, no, it's a worse version of this other deck, but and and <laughs> right. they might be right too, but like. Definitely, at, at least it's worth noting that like a bunch of the decks that we think of as best decks today, not all of them, some of them started off as like obviously good decks, but but a bunch of the decks started out as pet decks. Mm -hmm. So, well, yeah, I mean, ho hopefully I'm able to post better results with this as as I become more familiar with it. Uh, that will definitely I, help. Uh, hopefully, because I've been playing it for two years. So any moment now, really, <laughs> fingers crossed. Any moment now, I'll finally figure it out. The I mean, light will come on, and I mean, all you my said more familiar. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. the yeah. sequencing will become just clear for me the clouds will part and i'll just kill everyone and then people will pick me up and lift me on their shoulders and carry me around the store while everyone cheers right um so to reiterate what cameron finds difficult is something easy <laughs> absolutely a uh, story of my life really yeah the satisfaction of of making something difficult feel easy mm -hmm. that's like what well, drives us to go after difficult things, right? The best compliment I ever got on a stream, or the best compliment, yes, no, on a stream. I'm going to, to compartmentalize that and not make myself feel bad by saying that this is the best compliment I've ever gotten. The best compliment I've ever gotten streaming was I was playing Dark Souls and someone new came in and said, this, wait, isn't this game supposed to be hard? <laughs> nice. This looks really easy. And I was like, yes, finally got there. Nice. Um, Good. Well, hey, this Friday night, just got to do the same thing. Yeah, just got to run it back. Hopefully, I, I put in an order for or some cards. Or last Friday night, if you're watching this, yeah. <laughs> I, right. I put in an order for some cards, and Card Kingdom got them out the door lightning fast, uh, and then into the cumbersome hands of UPS, who has, uh, as of 10 days ago, transferred them to local postal service. Yikes. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah, if you tuned in for last Friday night, you either did or didn't see Cameron with his new cards that he ordered in the mail from cardkingdom.com. Mm -hmm. But cardkingdom.com definitely got them out the door very quickly and have been very good with their customer service, and I really like them. And that is our segue of saying this podcast has been brought to you by the very kind people over at cardkingdom.com. Cardkingdom.com. Pay them so they pay us. Um, a kingdom of cards. A kingdom of cards. That you will pay for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so will we, because that's what we do. Cardkingdom.com actually a member of the merchantile class. <laughs> 
CardGame.com. Not, not, not actual aristocracy, rather you're, merchants. You're curious who's gaining the one life when your creatures die. Yes. Go uh, to the kingdom and find out. They're lovely people. We like them very much. Uh, we know them IRL, and uh, they, they're, they're pretty good to us, and hopefully they're, they're good to you, too. So if you go to CardKingdom.com slash LRR, that enters our affiliate code, lets them know that we sent you, and uh, yeah, hopefully... Um, you find their, their, their business as satisfactory as we do. And if you ask for a button when you buy some cards, you might get one that says auto-tap, auto-tap, concede. Like mm -hmm. I do whenever I'm casting um, Consult the Guild Gates or what, whatever the three-mana enchantment is where it's like if you have gates and not gates in play, then you need to tap the right gates. And if you don't, then you don't get to draw cards. And yeah, and Arena just, laughs at you. Yeah, and you just drag something onto the battlefield that you're like, oh, I guess I'll play out this 2-3 this turn just to develop my board a bit. And yeah. suddenly all the wrong things are tapped. And you're like, ah, yeah. Arena. So you can have that button and feel just like me. Mm -hmm. uh, and it has also been brought to you by the very kind, or by you, the viewer, over at patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun. Way to go. You did we this. thank you very much Thanks from very the bottom much. of our hearts. And so until next week, I've been Cameron. And I've been Nelson. Catch you in the future.